we picked up in the, the big topic, the last big topic that Paul has, which is uh, resurrection. And you recall that we started that two weeks ago. And we picked up with Paul and he said, I want to start with the basic message of the gospel because the basic message of the gospel has the resurrection of Jesus and bodily resurrection that's in it. And you remember we started that two weeks ago and we said, Paul said that the basic gospel message has four pieces to it. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, raised, and he appeared to the disciples and ultimately to more than 500 people before he ascended to heaven. Then last week, we picked up on really this issue of bodily resurrection, of the fact that there will be physical bodies that rise from the dead. And Paul did an interesting thing. He said, let's pretend for a moment that doesn't happen. Let's pretend for a moment that there is no bodily resurrection. And if that's the case, where does that leave us? And what we found out last week is it leaves us in a space of really no hope. It leaves us in a space in which our whole message really crumbles And Paul said this, he said, if that's the case, then we're to be pitied most of all people in the world because we've staked so much on Jesus, his resurrection, and our own resurrection. And if that's not true, then we're living as fools. Now, again, he ends that passage last week by saying, but it is true. And so these are the implications that are for us that are for all time and are very good. And so uh, he makes the transition. Well, have you ever thought, as we wade into this week's passage, have you ever thought about what your body will be like in heaven. What will be your heavenly body? Most of us can only dream about that. We wonder what it will be like for us to be in the prime of our lives and to have our bodies in heaven that will be renewed, that'll be new. I found a picture this week that I think might be my body in heaven. I wonder if you'd like to see it. Would you like to see that? I I found it this week. Well, here it is. Yeah. Can you just see the resemblance? Can you see the resemblance here? And you know, we can only hope, right? We can only hope that that would be the case. Today's passage is the passage in the New Testament that it deals with the best snapshot of what our bodies will be like in heaven. I hope you're just getting excited already to go, wow, I want to learn something today about what my body might be like in heaven. I, you know, today, I, I was preparing all week, and I told Denise, today's kind of an exciting day, because it's, I mean, really some very good news and some exciting news, and so I hope you're just on the edge of your seat saying, yeah, I want to learn something about my body in heaven, and this is where Paul picks up. I'm picking up in verse 35. We're going to read nearly to the end of, of this chapter. This is what Paul says, but some, some, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another of the moon, another of the stars. The stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown imperishable, what is raised imperishable, what is sown is, is dishonor, it is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there is a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those uh, who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so are those of heaven. Just as we have been, have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you have enjoyed a program on TV over the years called Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Raise your hand if you've ever seen just one episode of that show. Meh, half of you. The rest of you are missing out. That's kind of a fun show. Let me explain it to you for those of you who haven't seen it. Chip and Joanna Gaines build all of their homes in one town in America, Waco, Texas. And some of you have made your pilgrimage to their little warehouse and their showroom to kind of see that. What they always do in the show is the same. They always take a couple that's looking for a home or a person that's looking for a home. And they usually visit three different homes and they choose one of them. And then Chip and Joanna Gaines go in and completely gut that house, renovate it, and they make it a better fixer-upper. I mean, it's a, a, a stellar home, a showroom home after they're done with it. And the same thing always happens at the end of the show. If you watch the show at all, you know it always ends this way. They put the couple in front of the house, but what is in front of them is a big picture board. I've got a picture of what that end of the episode is like. That picture board is there. And it's on wheels right there. And they, they always say the same thing. Would you like to see your fixer-upper? And they always say, yes, you know, let us see that. And they pull away the picture board of what was to reveal what it has become. And you can see even in this picture of how kind of drab and uh, frumpy the home was and now how cute and, and chic it is. And then the couple always does the same thing. They go and walk through the house and they admire all the things that have happened to that house as it's been fixed up and as it's been completely renovated. Well, that is what God is in the process of doing with us. He is in the process of revealing, as it were, our fixer-upper. And only in this case, it is a radical remodel and it's got some very stunning implications. Notice the question that Paul poses in verse 35. He says, how are the dead raised? Or he's saying back to them, some of you have said, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? And Paul is therefore going to answer that question, especially that second question. 
And he's going to tell us what spiritual bodies will be like, what resurrected bodies that now are heavenly bodies, what those will be like. And I will just tell you, the Cliff Notes version of that is found in verse 50. If you want the answer right away, here's the answer, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so he's saying to us, what is true of your body right now and the way it's made up right now could never exist in heaven. It has to be changed. And it has to take on a new composition. It has to take on a new substance, as it were. And so the perishable has to go away, and the imperishable has to come, and flesh and blood is not able to accomplish that. So how is God going to transform us? What will these new bodies be like? And he has an exciting reveal in this passage about what spiritual bodies, what heavenly bodies will be like. So that's why I want to march through this passage today. We're going to follow Paul as he explains this to the Corinthians. First, what will our bodies be like? They will be like us. And by that, I mean that our personhood will be maintained. I'm in verse 37, and this is what Paul says. He says, What you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. He says that what we put into the ground is seeds when we're growing something new. And we don't put the whole plant in the ground, but the plant, as it were, has to die and has to leave these seeds that remain in the ground. And then what comes from the ground is the seed of that new plant, the same kind of plant, but it comes from that seed, which was from a a plant that had to give up its life. It had to die. The essence of what will remain uh, is, is in the past, our bodies will be you know, discarded, as it were, but a new substance will be forming, but it's from the seed of who we are right now. And so who we are right now is going to stay intact in some way. And again, we have individuality from the Lord. His fingerprint is, again, of His divine nature is upon us, but each one of us is very unique. As it were, God creates no two snowflakes that are alike, much less people that are alike. You can even take twins, and they are different in many uh, ways, and they have their individual personalities, and that's what God is about. He's about being the God of individual identities, individual personalities, and that will remain. You think of it this way. You think of the angels in heaven. They don't rejoice over the multitudes that come to Christ. They rejoice over each individual that comes to Christ. And that says something to us again about the, the favor that God gives for each individual uniqueness of who we are. Think of it as another example. Think of it as people from the uh, Bible who died and then reappeared. One of the key examples of that is Moses and Elijah, which appeared at the transfiguration with Jesus. And you recall that the disciples are with Jesus, and these men have, been died, have died hundreds of years before, but they show up and are immediately recognized. It's not as if we have to struggle to find out who they are. They know right away. Jesus is even one who reappears, and we immediately know his uh, personhood. And now again, some of the disciples had to be clued in a little bit but because they thought he was dead. But once he's appeared, they're like, yes, this is Jesus. And so the idea of personhood is what is remaining. And that will remain with you. Your personality will remain with you. There's one book this week that I really enjoyed outside of the scriptures here. There's one book that I've enjoyed. And the book is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. If you are wondering what your body will be like in heaven, 
Great source for that. If you're wondering what heaven will be like, great source for that. Changing relationships, a great resource for that. It is a fantastic read if you're wondering about anything related to heaven. And I'm going to give a couple of quotes from Randy Alcorn this week just so he can help us in exploring what our bodies will be like. Uh, This is, again, part of our individuality is what uh, Randy Alcorn says. And here's the quote. What makes you, you? It's not only your body, but also your memory, your personality, your traits, your gifts, your passions, your preferences, and your interests. And so all of those things are somehow going to be manifest in the new you, and all of the things that are parts of what you are on earth will be now transferred, as it were, to your body in heaven. Your personality will be there, your passions there, your preferences will be intact. And can I just say I have some very good news, and I want to give specifically good news today to those of you who are struggling with a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's. Because what you've noticed is that your loved one is receding. Their their personhood is somehow being lost in the middle of that dementia, in the middle of that tremendous disease we call Alzheimer's. And, you know, the person that you're trying to love is not the person that was once there. Can I give you great news today? The great news is is that person will reappear. And in heaven, all of that personhood will be back in place. And the person that you know and love is going to return, as it were. And so, trooper through this season. Make your way through with that great hope that, again, what you're seeing now is the shell of what's going to be discarded. And that new person will have the total fingerprints of God and the fingerprints of what that person was uh, once was. Now, don't believe that this is uh, this what's a, sh- a belief shared by everybody in the world. It's not. In fact, if you today maybe believe that God is a cosmic force, then you're, we're dying and just becoming part of the cosmic consciousness. If you're, for instance, a Hindu, you believe in reincarnation. You believe we're coming back as a frog or a fern. We don't quite know. But, you know, we're coming back as some other object on earth. And so this idea is not commonly held by everybody. It's a decidedly Christian idea. And God says, you will not be changed into something that's not you. You will be changed into something that's very you. And you will be you in heaven. One more example of just how you will be you is your name. You think about your name. Your name is what's written in the Lamb's book of life. It's you. It's something individually about you. And it doesn't mean that we won't somehow maybe get another name from God. God oftentimes renames us around what we're becoming. You think of Isaac that became Israel or Peter that became Rocky. You know, those are names that God gives to his people. And you may get a new name in heaven, but it won't disregard the old one. And it won't, it won't detach from who you have been or who you are becoming. And so your individual identity will hold up. Your personhood will be maintained. Second, our bodies will be fit for their environment. Paul says this, Not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans. There's another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. And what he's saying is, that each kind of body, each kind of creature that a body gets is fit for its environment. So he says, if you're a fish, you need gills and scales. If you're a bird, you need wings and feathers. And so again, what, what, what God is doing is he's making us fit for our environment. I'm wondering if we have the doors open. It's feeling a little warm. Are they open? Okay, thank you. Um, what God is saying is, again, all of the creatures are fit for the environment that they have. And so we are all given a new body, and it's a body that's specifically designed for heaven. It's suited for heaven. 
Again, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, so what is the substance of our bodies? Uh, they're ones that are perfectly made for heaven. We know that they will exist there and they will have an, a, a makeup that makes them perform well in that environment. To be sure, we'll have real bodies. We'll have bodies that are real, bodies that we can touch, bodies that are able to eat food. That was Jesus. He was able to eat food. You remember the story of Jesus showing up on the lake and at that point they didn't recognize him until the food, until the food came out and they began to have a meal together and then it's clicked in. It's like, whoa, hey, this is Jesus in front of us here. And so again, our bodies will have similar capacity to what we have on earth. Some believe that again, our bodies in heaven will be completely devoid of any fat or any wrinkle. The notion reflects our desire to have a healthy body, a fit body, a beautiful body, and that they will be. I expect that our bodies will be beautiful. They'll have no need for any touch-up or implants or liposuction. None of that will be needed in heaven. Love handles, gone. Double chin, no more. Crow's feet, don't need them. Can I hear an amen? I, you know, we, we need that. Our bodies are going to have beautiful proportions. Beautiful proportions. This is the way Alcorn puts it. He says, God will decide what beautiful bodies look like. Let me say that again. God will decide what beautiful bodies look like. But we certainly should not expect that they'll all look alike. Different heights and weights seem as likely as different skin colors. He goes on to say that, I'm speculating, he says, but he says, I would imagine that bodies in heaven are, so, some of them will be tall because they were tall on earth, some short because they were shorter on earth, some thin because they were thinner on earth, some thick because they were thicker on earth. But with all these sizes, everybody will be healthy and appealing, untouched by the curse or disease or restrictions, and each person will be happy with the form God has designed for them. Can I say that again? You will be happy with the form that God has designed for you. If there is one thing that we all intuitively know right now, it's that there's some aspect of our body that we wish could change. There, there's some aspect. There's parts of your body that wish you could be bigger. There's part of your body that you wish could be smaller or tinier. And there's something about our bodies right now that we wish would change. I'm as hairy as a Wookiee. I just don't have any up here on the dome. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm asking the Lord this week, will I need all that hair in heaven? Or could you readjust some of it so that it's up here? But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Whatever it is in heaven, it'll be beautiful or handsome in my case. It, it'll, it'll be right. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be something in which I'm like, man, that's just, that's just right. And, and that's the way you're going to feel about your body about your proportions, about the beauty of who you are in heaven. And, and here's the point. Your body is going to be perfectly suited for the things it's going to do in heaven. It's going to have the perfect makeup. And the body you have right now could never accomplish that. But the body you'll have in heaven will accomplish that. And it will be all for, again, the glory of God. All right. Our personhood is going to be maintained. We will be fit for our environment. The bodies that we have when we're in heaven, we'll be fit for the things that we are called to do or think or believe or practice. All of those things will have a body that's ready to do that. Third, our bodies will be imperishable. I'm picking up in verse 42. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. 
It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there is also a spiritual body. The main thing about your body right now is it's wearing out. We are all too aware of this. Aches and pains, wrinkles, lack of mobility, pounds gained, we're all too aware of the temporary nature of our bodies. They are constantly in the process of wearing out. You know, Paul uses another metaphor about our bodies in the scriptures. He calls our bodies like a tent. And so we are in a tent right now. And there's nothing better as an example I can help you with on that than think about your tent for camping. Uh, The days in which maybe you camp, maybe you still camp in some ways. But the the days when you were in a tent, and you think about that tent that was used over a long period of time. You remember that zipper that just... It just got, first of all, it started sticking, and then it just completely like ripped out. It doesn't even work anymore. You think about that, that tent, and over time, there was little rips that began to come into it, and you got the duct tape out so you could try to like somehow piece that back together. You think about the stains that came on it from the sap of trees, and you, you just, you couldn't get that out. That never came out. And so you just had this tent that looked kind of mottled after a while, frayed and torn, and it's just like it was wearing out. And sometimes we'll even take a tent and say, that one's too far gone, and we just get rid of it, and we get another one. Well, that's the way that God is describing your body. It's wearing out, it's worn out, and it's not fit for heaven because it's not eternal. God is giving you a body in heaven that will be eternal and that will be imperishable. It will last. It won't wear out like the one that you have right now. Notice that Paul says that we are descendants of two different men. He says, we are a descendant of Adam from the Garden of Eden and the second Adam, which is an allusion to Christ. We became descendants of Adam who was from the dust of the ground and we were made out of his lineage and we fell under the curse and death invaded us because of the fall in the garden. But through faith, we're also descendants of this second Adam, which is Christ. And this is the man made from heaven and we're made into his likeness. So we have one body that's perishable, the one of Adam that's dying now. And then we have another body that's imperishable, the body of Christ that's awaiting us in heaven. Years ago, uh, there was a show on TV. And uh, the the show is one that many of you will remember because it was a famous show in the 1970s. And that show was called The Six Million Dollar Man. I've got the little... Picture here that was uh, the one that was kind of the screenshot of that. And you remember, there's Lee Majors who played Colonel Steve Austin. And he uh, died, or excuse me, he was uh, injured badly in a crash as a test pilot. And they said, we have the technology to now rebuild him as the bionic man. And the cost of that at the time the show was on was $6 million. And thus, he was the $6 million man. Uh, I I dare say I don't think we'll be bionic in heaven, but we will clearly be at our peak. We'll be better than we are right now. We will be imperishable, which is something we can't say that we are right now. I love the way that, again, Randy Alcorn says it. This is the quote. He says, the sinless beauty. Do you have that one? The sinless beauty of the inner person will flow into the beauty of the outer person. He says the sinless beauty, the fact that you on the inside are so much more renewed is going to overflow and flow into the outside and the way that you conduct your life. 
He goes on and says, do you remember a time when you felt really good about yourself? Not in pride or arrogance, but when you sensed you honored God, you helped the needy, you were faithful, humble, you were servant-hearted, you were like Jesus. Do you remember when you encouraged somebody? Do you remember when you were running and swimming and jumping and you felt like you were so strong that you could go on forever? Well, that, he says, is a taste of heaven. I said that we won't be bionic, but it's clear that we may have some abilities that we don't have right now. For instance, Jesus was able to walk through locked doors. Will we potentially have the ability to have some of that ability to be in places that, that, that we couldn't unless we walk there right now? I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. The point is, is that we have, we'll have bodies that aren't decaying, that are not perishable any longer, and that in heaven they are going to take on this better uh, posture, this better uh, nature. And it's, it's a nature that, again, is going to be extremely valuable to us, and it's going to be valuable to God for the things that we are doing that are of honor to Him in heaven. All right, there's one more I want you to see. The fourth and finally, our bodies will be victorious. And I'm drawing from verse 56. It says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Perhaps this is going to be one of the most important things I say to you all day, but listen carefully right now. Your new body will be sinless, and dare I even say, perfect. Now, I don't mean perfect in the sense that you will be God. Perfect in the nature in which God is saying, be holy as I am holy, in perfect in that sense. You're not becoming God, but you're, you're, you're the person that God has always wanted you to be before the fall came about. You see, right now we all have a curvature of the soul. We all have something that's bent inward upon ourselves that God never designed. We've taken our gaze away from heaven and we've put it inward upon ourselves. We're bent, we're broken, we're versions of ourselves that God never intended. And as a result of that, our deceitfulness, our laziness, our lust, our deafness, our disability, our disease, those aren't the real us. They're temporary perversions of what will ultimately be eliminated. And God is in the process of eliminating those from us so that our bodies will be the thing that he always intended, again, for them to be. Furthermore, and at the root of this, is we will not sin, and we won't even have the desire to sin. Let me say that again. You will not sin, nor will you even have the desire to sin. I want you to think about your uh, mother, perhaps, or if you are mom, you've made some cookies Chocolate chip cookies are freshly coming out of the oven. And it, the whole smell of those is all filling the kitchen, filling the entire house. And you're sitting there waiting for those chocolate chip cookies and you're like, man, I can't wait for those to come out the oven. And then mom says, don't touch those. Those are for somebody else. I'm taking those to the neighbor. And you're like, what? I mean, in my mind, I was thinking about those chocolate chip cookies and a glass of milk. And now I, I can't have the cookies? And, you know, mom walks away, and you kind of go over closer to the cookies, and, oh, you just smell them a little bit more. And you're, you know, maybe about ready to touch them. And you're like, will mom notice if one cookie's gone? And you may be, you know, thinking about, like, slipping that little cookie away. Here's what I want you to hear. In heaven, you will not sin, nor will you even have the desire to sin. Again, maybe it was not a real big sin to have eaten the cookie, but you get my desire, or my, my, my point, because our desire is always flaring up for all of these things that we want that somehow may be out of bounds, 
And all of that is on the way out. Imagine that you'll be never be tempted again to lie or steal. Never be tempted to drive recklessly. Never be tempted to look lustfully upon a man or a woman. Never be tempted to hoard money. Never be tempted to boast arrogantly. And I could go on and on and on. Let me give Randy Alcorn the last word on this section. And this is what he says. Our greatest deliverance in heaven will be from ourselves. Our deceit, corruption, self-righteousness, self-sufficiency, hypocrisy, all will be gone forever. A nature completely changed. That is fantastic news. That's, that's worth the price of coming today, right there. Is that you just are like, man, that's good news. And I want to live into that. Well, how do we live into this? What are the things that we do as a result of what we've just heard today? First, we believe God. This life is but a vapor. It's going away. Many of us get 70 or so years to live, the scriptures say. But we're living in light of eternity, and that's what we are banking on. That's what we're having the assurance of. That's the promises that we're holding on to. And don't miss this. This new body is, again, a body that's promised for those who are followers of Jesus. Promised to those who have placed their trust in Jesus and are saying, I'm finding my life in Him. I'm listening to Him. It's one of the many benefits of following in Christ, but it's specifically given to those individuals. And so I want you to make sure and see that. Perhaps this verse today helps us persevere. It helps us persevere, especially if we are experiencing some level of disease or some level of decline. God has a new body planned for you. It's a heavenly body. It'll be thoroughly you, but it'll no longer be tainted by sin or death. And you'll have all that you need in God to glorify God and to do the things that are right and good and pure and that will be what flows from you. Today, I'd like to do something as we close in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to specifically think of somebody right now who you can pray for. That person is somebody that you know that is in decline in some way. Maybe they are suffering from some disease or condition. Maybe they're just near the end of life and body, their body is not functioning as properly as it once did because they're just declined in years. But nevertheless, think of some individual that God has placed in your life right now that is suffering some level of affliction of their body. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring that person to the foot of the cross right now, and I want you to pray for them. And I want you to pray that they would understand in brand new ways what God has planned, that that somehow would buoy them up in this life right now to continue to live, to continue to persevere, and to continue to hold on to what God is promising for them in heaven. Perhaps if it's an individual that doesn't know Christ, maybe you would have a role in seeing that they would come to know Christ and would have that hope and would have that assurance for the next life. But many of us, in fact, all of us, know somebody today that this message specifically applies to, even more than it does to us. I mean, it plenty applies to me, I'll tell you that. My body's wearing out, and I'm plenty aware of that. But I know that there's others that are maybe a little bit closer to experiencing the need for that new body than even I am today. So think of that person, and let's go to the Father right now. Lord, each one of us, and probably we haven't had to think about it too much, we've identified a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor that is experiencing a level of decline that's significant. 
And Lord, we're asking, we're bringing those individuals right now, giving them to you, and we're saying, Lord, would you just awaken, give new eyes, new awareness to this friend that he or she may be able to persevere in this life because there's such a great hope and glory for the next life. Continue to deposit that kind of hope into the friends that we have. And we will praise you for that, Lord. We all wait right now for this body, this perishable body to be given up in order that the imperishable body, the better body, might come. And we praise you that this is part of your grand plan. How marvelous is this? We thank you for this today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.